Before we get started today, a bit of news. The cooler's about to head off on summer vacation for the months of July and August, but don't despair. We still have a few episodes left, and one of them is the finale, which we want you to be a part of. So here's how it's going to work. If you have a nosy question for us, need some advice, or if there's a topic you've always wanted us to weigh in on, let us know by calling our hotline at 415-553-2850, and you might hear yourself on the show. And don't forget to drop your name and location so we can shout you out properly. So what are you waiting for? Make our dreams come true by making our hotline blank. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. And I'm Jamidra. And we're two of the hosts of The The Cooler. This week, in honor of our new graduates out there, I'm going to gift you something that I never got. The wisdom of financial literacy. And because the present has been a major drag recently, we're going black to the future and getting a lesson on Afrofuturism from Bay Area artist and my personal fave, Tana Tucker. Ooh. We'll also be exploring a strange connection between dinosaur eggs and ball sacks. Oh, I, well, I don't know if I want to know. You do. You know what season it is? Wedding season? It's wedding season. It's mating season, right? It's like spring. Sure. But it is also graduation season. Yes. Mm-hmm. While you are probably worried about your... Lays, you know, people get laid at graduations with oh. Hawaiian lays. I mean, in get more, your mind out of the gutter. In more ways than one. Yeah, yes. yes. But does anybody sit you down to talk about how you're going to survive all that crushing student loan debt that you just took on and Ooh. all the financial obstacle courses you're going to have to navigate? Well, not if you're at Morehouse because that was all wiped away by that billionaire. You told us about that last exactly. week. But for most students graduating, the outlook is a little scary and we need some lessons. Well, I'm here to help. <laughs> so let's ease on into it. Well, as a matter of fact, why don't you stand up? Let's walk across the stage together. Jamidra Brown Fleischman <laughs> graduates with honors. Run me my degree. Yes. So in honor of our graduates, who are probably in need of a little financial advice, I thought it was a good idea for all of us to go on this journey so we could become shinier, more financially savvy versions of our former selves. Yes. Yes. I just want the spirit of Susie Orman to take over my bank account. Take over. Fix my life. Now, I'm going to be honest. I am leading this conversation. However, I am no Susie Orman. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to friends. I reached out to family members. I reached out to Fast Company. I reached out to Forbes. I looked into a lot of different options about how we all could become financially free, if you will. So you did the legwork. You did the homework. And Mm -hmm. now you're going to tell us what we should be doing. And I actually need this lesson because I'm not great with my finances. So, Well, you're not alone. In a 2016 FINRA Foundation survey, they found that only 37% of most Americans were financially savvy. Also, CareerBuilder found that 80% of us are living check to check. Jeez. So we're all listening to Destiny's Child, Bills, Bills, Bills. Yeah, pretty much. Can't pay my automobiles. Now we can't even chill. I don't think you do. You remember. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I remember. So before we get into the do's, I want to get into some of the don'ts. So I went to Fast Company, as I remember. They're my friends. They're my, my peeps. Okay. And they gave me a little overview of, like, the don'ts, all the bad advice that you need to reject. So I'm just going to run through those real quick. When somebody tells you you don't need a budget, they lie. Okay? <laughs> Not all of us are good at numbers. True. 
all of us hate Excel sheets. Well, I won't say all of us. I hate Excel spreadsheets for the most part. But you're a Virgo. I'm a Virgo. You're supposed to like that. There's also this website called Mint.com. It like breaks down what you're spending and it's like, girl, Mm -hmm. 70% of your income went to drinks? Yes. Mint would be shading me if Yeah, it shades me on the regular. And then it just stopped working. And I think it was just like, we can no longer help you. We've we've passed the point of Mm -hmm. return. Credit cards are bad? Not so. Credit cards don't have to be bad. Credit cards are bad if you make them bad. It's all about your relationship to credit cards. So I know that a lot of us are afraid. It took me until I was 25 to embrace having a credit card. Yeah, like the way we would judge people in high school of like, oh, what's your SAT score? It's like now it's like, what's your credit score? Mm -hmm. And the world will drag you and judge you. They will. And so don't get a bunch of credit cards and then go on shopping sprees and then not have the money to back it up. Exactly. So tell me how you manage your relationship with credit cards. I don't have many credit cards. I have one. And I love it because it gives me frequent flyer miles. the rewards. And then you get to go on lavish vacations. People say, how did you afford that? It's like, by buying things. (laughs) Believe it or not. So when you see me just being ridiculous and insufferable on Instagram in like Cyprus or something, that's why. Just know the credit cards gave you your awards. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this idea that if you stop drinking your latte, you can be a millionaire. People need to stop saying that. LFS CEO Sally Krawcheck wrote an article recently called Buy the F***ing Latte. Oh. Okay. And what it's saying is... (laughs) But this idea that you can sort of like slash your spending down to being a millionaire, not going to work. You need to learn how to invest. You need to be more savvy. You need to learn about interest rates. But listen, if you want the latte, buy the f***ing latte. You can indulge sometimes. Munch on the avocado toast. Just have it. Because <laughs> you're not getting house anyway. Exactly. Not in this economy. So Not in this generation. Exactly. A good credit score means that you don't have anything to worry about. Lies all lies. <sighs> so you can have a perfect credit score, but that means that you literally are not buying anything, you're not doing anything. It just helps you get more credit. It doesn't necessarily help you be more financially savvy. Right. And once you get the more credit and you start taking on more credit, if you don't know how to manage it, guess what? Credit score, gone. Just like the SAT analogy. The SAT score doesn't mean you're smart. Mm-hmm. It means you're good at taking tests. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I put the call out to my friends. The first person I asked decided to reference a Bay Area rap legend, E-40. Oh, yes. Who once said... Sometimes it's cool to floss, but don't buy $85,000 car before you buy a house. Don't buy an $85,000 car before you buy a house. Do you hear that? I heard it. Now, most of us can't afford either, so I think we're good. We're following. It's a moot point, but I do appreciate that lesson because you want to impress your friends, but what's more impressive? Having Mm -hmm. a home to sleep at or riding around in a nice car. I think that's applicable to everything. It's just about impressing. Like, we'll just watch how you spend, right? Just get the, like, fancy lift. You don't even need a car. Forget it. Is it that black? You just get the lift black. XL, XL or, whatever. or whatever. Yeah. Okay, then you're fine. Other advice? Start an IRA when you graduate college. Mm. <laughs> no one did that. Come on. <laughs> Invest as much as you can in your 20s or 30s. And then don't marry a teacher if your dream is to become a documentary filmmaker. <gasps> this is a real personal. And this person admitted that she, did all, she didn't do the two things, but she did the last one. And That yeah. is so rude. Not going to mention her name. But she's happily married. Finances may not be as happy, but she's happy. Another one of my friends said invest in low-cost total stock market index funds. I don't know what any of those words mean. I believe you, (laughs) but I need to click on a few other links. Maybe Mm -hmm. go to Wikipedia, Urban Dictionary, someone help me. Index funds. Just Google that. Real talk advice, quote, if white folks can get that money, so can you. That was passed (laughs) down from my friend's mother. Real estate. I want some. Exactly. I want some. And a lot of people in my friend group ask, but houseway. And my cousin, who I got this tidbit from, shout out Charlene, she said, you want to start out with a studio apartment, okay. like a, con- a studio condo, 
or ideally a two-bedroom condo if you can afford it, mm-hmm. which most of us can't. But listen, if you're looking to invest, start small. She said you get that condo, you rent out the other room, make sure that you can pay the full rent by yourself, and then use that other person's rent to help pay down the mortgage faster. Live with people? Yeah. I don't want to do that. Sacrifices are necessary if we're going to be millionaires, Emmanuel. <sighs> Well, like, Northwest isn't sacrificing anything out here, and she's a millionaire. Mm, Yeah. Someone else in my circle said that the best advice they got was watching their parents be cheap. (laughs) So, yeah. Use vinegar to clean everything because apparently— Excuse me? Yeah. Vinegar and water because apparently, like, cleaning supplies are expensive. That is the (laughs) hill they're going to die on. That was the advice that they were given. But this is what we—this is what financial advice looks like in American households. Vinegar. Okay. Okay. No matter how much it is discounted, whatever it is— it's not worth it if you don't need it. True. Or it's not a deal if you don't need it. Marie Kondo also shared that lesson. Mm-hmm. Unless it's useful or sparks joy, don't bother. Got it. But the most important note of all, at least from this friend pool that I took away, was negotiate your salary when you get a job offer. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't really know our worth going in. And this person said to me, before they decide to accept a job, they reach out to folks at the company to talk about salary. And not just any folks. They reach out to the men to talk about what their salary is. Right. And they use that as a negotiating point. So the next time you get a job offer, just keep Master P's voice in your head. And he offered me a million dollar deal and had the check ready so I wouldn't be able to use my name. I always fight my brother because, man, you should have took the million dollars. Say, no, what do you think I'm worth if this white man offered me a million dollars? I've got to be worth 40 or 50. You got that? What do you think you're worth if that white man offered you $50,000? Mm-hmm. You got to be worth 60 or 70, 80. <laughs> that Solange album is full of wisdom mm-hmm. and aha moments from Master P. I didn't see that messenger coming, but I received the message. Well, I think there's one thing that most of the advice that I got from my friends, some was better than others, right? Vinegar. Uh, vinegar. <laughs> not many of them talked about like the nuts and bolts of financial literacy because that's not something that we talk about in our household. It's super taboo. So again, I went back to my Fast Company and my Forbes people, and I got some hardcore advice about how we can improve our financial situations. All right, hit me. You need to take a course. Uh, in what? In financial literacy. In fact, if you go to mymoney.gov, you can find all kind of resources that will help you learn about interest rates, that'll help you learn about investing, and just give you a little bit more confidence when it comes to investing in finance. If I must. I'm already busy with duolingo.com, but I guess I'll do another Well, this is mymoney.gov. You can trust the government, can't you? What? (laughs) Scrap that whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Another suggestion, which... You're probably going to frown at. Investigate passive income opportunities. What are those? Okay. So, like, so Instagram thought. <laughs> I could be one of those and get some no. passive income. So passive income is this idea that you do something or you produce something that generates income for you even when you're not working. So like if you wrote a book, for example, you did, you wrote it one time, you spent a couple months writing it, and you put it up on Amazon and you get check, check, check. So what you're saying is I need to release a SoundCloud mixtape mm-hmm. and just let it sit there until I'm discovered. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And then I get the checks. Exactly. Okay. So that's passive income. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do, Emmanuel? Tell me what your advice is. Okay. It's very simple. It's something I learned later in life. But mm-hmm. now that I do it, oh, it's the best. Drink at home. <laughs> let me tell you. I mean, it makes me sound like an alcoholic, but get this. There's this drink I like that has creme de violette in yes. it. It's called the Aviation. If you get it at a bar, it runs you 12 to like $19. This uh-huh. is San Francisco. 
Things are crazy. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And you start losing count of how many you've had because you're drinking a bunch of gin mm-hmm. with your friends. So things can get out of control. And then the check comes. So I go to BevMo or whatever liquor store mm-hmm. and I invest in myself and in the booze that yes. I want. So you get the ingredients, creme de violet, maraschino liqueur, some gin, a lemon. And I've had, I don't know, like 60 of those at my house mm-hmm. over a certain period of time. We won't go into that. For the price of like maybe 10. So it's a no-brainer. Y'all should do it. And then you get really good at being a mixologist and you can impress people you're dating, your friends, whatever. So not only are you saving, but you're drunk and happy. And you know what else is a great investment? Tell me. A quality flask. Because that's another (laughs) way (laughs) that you can enjoy your booze, even in the restaurant or bar. Not that I'm advising you to. Right. But I'm just saying it's a possibility. Like that bracelet flask that I think you have. Yes, I do. Yes, we've been places and you're like, want some? And I'm like, what are you, what? (laughs) There's juice coming out of your bracelet. I love it. Yes, I want some. All the possibilities. A couple things that I do, digital coupons. I use digital coupons and promo codes. Anytime I'm shopping, I always look online to see if there's a promo code. And I will, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Hashtag mom. Yes, Mm -hmm. I will show up at the store and pull out my digital coupon because I need a discount. You're like, there's the barcode, scan it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. In short, graduation may be over. But our learning is never done. We've got to pull ourselves together, grab a friend or two maybe, and join a financial literacy course. All right, let's enroll. Let's enroll. We've got investing to do. Ever since Black Panther blasted onto the scene last year, the term Afrofuturism has been popping up more and more, but there's still confusion in some circles around what the term means and how long it's been around. Here to break it all down with us is cartoonist and one of my friends, IRL, Tana Tucker. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Welcome to the cooler. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Say someone's been like in a coma for a couple decades, Mm -hmm. has not seen Black Panther, never read Octavia Butler. Mm -hmm. What does this term mean? Afrofuturism was a term coined in the mid-90s by cultural theorist and critic Mark Derry. He described it as a cultural aesthetic philosophy of science and history that explores the developing intersection of African diaspora with science and technology. And then more recently, I'd like to also quote Yatasha Womack, who is an Afrofuturist scholar who simply defines it as the intersection of imagination, technology, the future, and liberation, Mm. which is the part I'm really interested in. I would also encourage listeners interested in learning about Afrofuturism to read her book, Afrofuturism, the World of Black Science Fiction and Fantasy, which provides a thorough breakdown and survey of the canon and visual art, music, and literature. So that might be a lot of people's gateway Mm -hmm. into this after hearing this episode. What was your gateway into this whole thing? Ooh, okay. So pre-Black Panther, I think like many people, my intro was avant-garde jazz, specifically Mm. Sun Ra. Before I even knew the language of Afrofuturism, I was already kind of immersed in it and attracted to it. And I would say Sun Ra was my introductory point. We actually have a clip Mm. of Sun Ra hit it. Calling planet Earth. Calling planet Earth. Yes. (laughs) 
I was reading about Sun Ra earlier today. Mm-hmm. My coworker has this book about Space is the Place, yes. the film, which takes place in Oakland mm-hmm. in the 70s. And he started doing all his magic in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And one of the people who collaborated with him on that was being interviewed. And he said there was this one moment with Sun Ra where it was between scenes and Sun Ra was just like, this reminds me of the time when I was growing up on Mars. Oh, casually. Just drop that in there. <laughs> and not like in a joking way or anything. And he was just like living in this futuristic space mm-hmm. where he's from Mars. Mm-hmm. Some people think he's from Alabama, but he mm-hmm. was like, I'm from Mars. Not the I was case. there. Yeah, that's right. This reminds thinking. me of that. Yeah. 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 When you were defining Afrofuturism for the listeners, you mentioned one specific part that caught my attention, and that was liberation. And you said that's the part that you're most interested in. I'm really curious to know how you see that play out, Mm -hmm. because with Black Panther, I think, and watching Shuri, of course, on screen, there was this rise of for me, representation. And it was one of those moments in the film where I was like, I didn't know I needed that. I didn't know I needed this vibranium to be discovered by a black woman. And then we all know that Miriam Wright Elderman was quoted as saying, you can't be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. So what do you think Afrofuturism is for young black children now when they see the art form, whether it be books or film or visual art? It's really powerful. I think seeing that and having the ability to dream and imagine and seeing yourself reflected, right? So that's one piece of it. Also, I think Afrofuturism sometimes gets a bad rap as just kind of being this frivolous, aesthetic, Hmm. kind of escapist space. And to your point, I think it's actually provides a really grounding space. And it can be a space for, I think, resistance and imagining. And that's really empowering. I'm really interested in it, actually, as a place to confront history, kind of reclaim it and reclaim our relationships to that in a way that is empowering. And I think using that space in that way is really important because it's it's critical to how we form survival and hope in the present to imagine and sustain futures that allow us to exist and thrive outside of white supremacy and heteropatriarchy. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> if we imagine it, then we can realize yes. it. Yes. Let's make it happen. So don't underestimate, yeah, yeah, the the importance of being able to dream and imagine. Mm-hmm. And the power of the story, like mm-hmm. your daughter's going to grow up and always know that, of course, she discovered vibranium. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And of course, yeah, I not? can do that. Like, it's completely normalized. It normalizes our presence in myth and in, in history and in literal space. I think there's something really powerful about building and believing in your own mythology. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Sun Ra and these people who were making things happen decades ago. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering who is on your radar currently working in this space? I'm really interested in the work coming out of Philadelphia around Afrofuturism. There's this incredible collective called the Black Quantum Futurist Collective. Of course, it's led by Black women and it's musicians and visual artists and More Mother and the DJ duo 700 Bliss, which More Mother is also a part of, is also affiliated with the Black Quantum Futurism Collective. I love the way that they engage with the darker shades of Afrofuturism that is discussing and confronting history and talking about resistance in a really defiant and unapologetic way Mm. that I really f*** with. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, after you recommended one of their songs, I was listening to it earlier today, and I was like, I also with this (laughs) but for the listeners who haven't had the pleasure of listening let's take a listen to 700 bliss
Nice. Now, a couple years ago, Philadelphia was known for bringing us Neo Soul, and now it's like they're bringing us this. I love it. Yeah. They're bringing you all the things. All of the all things. things. Yeah. Let's all move to Philly. Exactly. I know. I think so. <laughs> you're like, actually, I'm going to. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> so you're about to take part in a show at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts here in San Francisco as a political power fellow. Can you talk to us about what that role entails and what your work in the show is going to be like? So this past year, I took part in a year-long fellowship at YBCA. There were two cohorts over the course of the year investigating questions. So my cohort was investigating the question of how do we reimagine political power? And my answer to that was through narrative and through investigating Afrofuturism as a space for resistance and for also reclaiming and confronting the historical and the past. And I'm a cartoonist, so I will be presenting two new comics that are exploring two different historical moments in a very speculative and imagined way. The first comic is actually about the American occupation in the Philippines in 1899. Hmm. And it's reflecting on the true accounts of black soldiers who defected to the Filipino resistance to fight the American occupation and exploitation. Damn. Oh, wow. I want you to see those comics. Yes. Yeah. Please come. Please come. <laughs> and the second comic is actually reflecting on the Middle Passage and the true account of the 1803 Igbo landing, wherein 75 slaves en route to being delivered to a plantation in Georgia overthrow their slave masters and in protest and resistance march into the waters as mass suicide, Mm -hmm. which forms the basis of this legend of the flying Africans. And the legend is that these these Africans or these escaped slaves actually were able to walk on the water back to Africa or in different versions, they turn into birds and fly back Mm -hmm. to Africa. So I created two kind of science fiction speculative pieces exploring those moments in history. And all of this work will be housed in a larger Afrofuturist immersive installation made by political power fellow Leah King. And she'll be presenting as an Afrofuturist oracle. And throughout the day, she'll be collecting stories from attendees and remixing them with music that she's made specifically for the event. And it will conclude an Afrofuturist dance party and burlesque show. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm there. I was already uh, sold. And then you went to the dance yeah. party and the burlesque. <laughs> yes. It's going to be dope. So if you are in... The Bay Area, mm-hmm. please come to the YBCA. Mm-hmm. It's this Saturday, June 1st from 2 to 6 p.m. Perfect. And for folks who aren't going to be able to make the show, how do they see your amazing artwork? You can find me on Instagram at Tana. It's T.A.N.N.A. She's a good follow. Yes. Okay. Thank you. As someone who does follow her, I do not regret. <laughs> Thank Double you. tap all the way. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us. Do you want to stay for our Peak Pit and Song yes. segment? Yay, oh please God. do. Okay. okay, stick around. It's the Peak and the Pit. Hey, the Peak and the Pit. Hey. It's time to explore the highs and lows of popular culture this week. Jamidra, do you want to go first? Sure. Let's start with the good before we dip into the bad. So I have a peak of the week and I want to give a shout out to a specific publication because they get me. Clearly. Well, I don't know if they get me all the time, but they got me this week. So as a mother of three, I often get asked one very annoying question. Which one? How do you take care of your kids? Wait, what? Basically, because I'm a working mother... And I do a podcast and I'm in school. People are always wondering where my children are. 
Where are your children while you're doing all this? Who's taking care of your kids? How do you manage it all? Can you have it all? Can you have it all? But you know who never gets asked that question? Mm. My husband. People just assume that he's got it covered, he's got it handled, and they don't need to worry about the kids because they're in good hands. Because why not? Currently, there are nine men who are running for president who have children. Nine of them. And this Mm. week, Vox decided to ask all of them where their children are while they're on the campaign trail. Beto already got in trouble for this. Beto already got in trouble for this. You already know. So they circled back. And currently, at the time that this article was published, most of them, with the exception of Republican John Delaney, had responded. Who is she? Who? Rob? <laughs> Don't know her. So I'm not going to get into the answers. If you want to know what they said, you can go to Vox.com and read the responses. But basically, all the males, where your babies at? So peak of the week to Vox for not asking the women candidates who takes care of their children, but making sure that the men are also accountable for rearing the children. Love it. Mm. Another publication out here, New York Magazine. Reporter Alice Hines did this piece called The Incels Getting Extreme Plastic Surgery to Become, quote, Chads. I didn't know what a chad was. The cover image is hot-ish looking guy with uh, gauze around his head as if he had just gotten plastic surgery. If you don't know what an incel is, it means involuntary celibate. And they think they deserve all of the women, but they're just not being respected and whatever. And it's a thing, and it's a very dangerous thing mm-hmm. at times. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a dark corner of the internet. Apparently, a lot of these incels want to become chads, which means good-looking guys. And so they're all traveling to this specific plastic surgeon to get certain things done to their bodies so that they can look like chad. And then maybe women will give them the time of day. It wow. has nothing to do with their terrible personalities, right. not at all. They just no. need a stronger jawline. And so the kinds of things that they're doing include penis stretching exercises. I don't think that works, guys. <sighs> Something called mewing, which is chewing food to bulk up your jaw muscles. You can get your shoulders widened or narrowed, depending on what you want to do. And here's where the dinosaur egg comes in that I promised earlier oh, in the show. Gosh. <laughs> they're getting testicular enlargement implants. Some, quote, dinosaur egg-sized. Mm. So I don't know how a woman in a bar would just know that you have dinosaur eggs in your hands, but apparently Mm. they're counting on that. I just think these guys should spend more time trying to have better worldviews and treat women like humans, and maybe they would have better luck. It's not about how big your balls are. Yeah, It's not your looks, guys, and it's definitely not the balls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Kanye's back. Are we still in the pit section? Or just, yep. I'm hoping this is a peak that we just... <laughs> no. Now, oh, okay. You expect well. too much of him. <laughs> so he is apparently going to be on this Netflix show that David Letterman has. I thought he retired. Oh, it's the beard show. David Letterman came back to Netflix with the beard and he was interviewing everybody. He interviewed Obama and a couple of other people, right. Jay-Z, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. So now Kanye's on that couch. I like your title better, The Beard Show. Okay. But <laughs> it's called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. And it's launching this Friday with a bunch of new episodes, including one with Kanye. And it's already making news because some critics have already seen the the cut. And he says that his MAGA hat is not political. And that, quote, Have you ever been beat up in your high school for wearing the wrong hat? Liberals bully people who are Trump supporters. As somebody who went to Oakland Public Schools, people got beat up for a lot more than Trump hats. Uh It happens, boo. Like, no, (laughs) that happens. Also, just like, who feels bullied? The kids at the border, mm-hmm. any marginalized group in this country mm-hmm. who are having their rights stripped away mm-hmm. by this administration. That's what bullying looks like to me. Yeah. So, Kanye, please. He's dead to me. <laughs> there it is. 
I held out for a long time, and then I just had to finally walk away. Mm -hmm. Sounds like, Tana, you already made peace with Mm -hmm. this. I'm still negotiating, making peace with it. Because, actually, I was going to say, I don't want to cancel people. And I'm like, yes, I do. He's canceled. (laughs) So thanks, David Letterman, for having a show. But pick some better people to use the platform for. Ugh. All right. Let's blast some music to, like, get away from (laughs) ideas of... Kanye and his stupid little hat. And take us to the future. Can you take us to the future? Let's go to the Away future. From- Let's <laughs> black to the future. Yes. <laughs> so I believe, Tana, you have a song for us to have us ride out in mm-hmm. Afrofuturistic style. Mm. Yes. Tell us about it. Right on. I think we should go out on McLeet's track, Supernova. It's a really beautiful Afrofuturist anthem. And the message is really beautiful, which is just reminding us that we come from star stuff. Oh. oh. We're all made out of stardust Mm -hmm. and diamonds and diamonds thanks to david marcus Susie racho and ashley ann craigbaum if you miss us stalk us on the internet of course i'm at excuse my beauty and i'm jamidra says later